We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches. I'm BJ Kissel, joined by my good buddies Nick Leckie and Tucker Franklin. The NFL Draft is almost here. It seems like, guys, that we've been talking about the draft for about six months now, um, ever since free agency, which really wasn't the most exciting thing in the world uh, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, which we have been talking about ad nauseum. But I'm excited for this episode because we're going to talk a little bit about what our ideal scenario or our ideal Thursday night looks like in the first round of the draft. We talked a little bit and we have completely different um, perspectives on what a good uh, Thursday night would look like. And I'm excited because uh, I love differing, differing opinions and let's get this conversation going. But before we do that, we've got to thank our friends at Jack Stack Barbecue for making this show possible. They've got their six locations across Kansas City. There's never not a good time to go and get some barbecue if you're going to do that. Head over to Jackstack and they will take care of you. But guys, before we get into a little Debo Samuel news, Nick, I just want to know, how's it been going lately? We, we, we're we getting back in rhythm now. We've got the show going, but how's life? How's how's everything going? How's the fam? Oh, it's good, man. I got no complaints. Uh, started a new job. I think that's pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. And um, all is well, man. You know, I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team. And so uh, I'm disappointed. Chelsea, my real love football, as you don't like to call it over here. Um, lost to Real Madrid in the Champions League, so they're out. It's a stunner of a match. I'm a bad Chelsea fan. I, I had taken them as my Premier League team that I was following, and I have no idea what you're talking about. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a terrible. You sound like an fan. Arsenal fan, then. <laughs> I don't. I don't, don't get worry that about reference. The Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Tucker? I I talk to you all the time, but how's it going, man? You all right yeah it's uh yeah i'm good we were talking about a little bit before we we're recording this uh a little behind the curtain wednesday and it's just kind of a really bad weather day in kansas city on wednesday um just n- no one really showed out for the royals game i saw some pictures on twitter about like nobody at, being at the game it was like 50 and like drizzly all day um but nothing can warm my heart better than talking to some nfl draft with you two fellas so i'm excited to get this show underway and start excited to get it going 
All right, let's do it. And before we get into the Debo Samuel news that I want to get your guys' takes on this because it's maybe it's just because everybody's tired of talking about the draft, but it seemed like all of Chiefs Twitter had an opinion on whether or not trading for Debo Samuel at this point uh, is a good idea. Before we do that, I want to invite anybody who hasn't seen it on social media All of us at KC Sports Network will be at the Kingdom Bar and Grill in Overland Park for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of the draft. If you can't make it out to the bar, we will be live streaming the show the entire time the draft is on. Kent, Maddie, Craig, the guys from the KC Laboratory will be live throughout. They have been studying the draft for literally months Maddie's been watching this college football film since the watching it live during the college football season. Uh, so he has got some takes and he is ready to fire those off. But if you want to come and hang out with us, they're going to have drink specials Thursday and Friday night, 360 vodka, singing out girls to do shots and bombs and all kinds of stuff. Uh, we'll have food specials at the kingdom bar as well. Maybe some special giveaways. Who knows? Come by and hang out, but it's going to be a whole, yeah, Tucker, that's true. <laughs> Anyway, we uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun, so come come and hang out with us. I know, I saw your face, uh, but come and hang out with us at the Kingdom Bar. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, but yeah, guys, Debo Samuel. Tucker, I want to start with you. What was your first reaction when uh, it seems like the thing to do now where you just delete everything off your social media of the team that you currently play for? <laughs> Unfriend on <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, Tucker. Tucker, what was your reaction when you when you first heard the news before a bunch of people started connecting to the Chiefs? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was any surprise that Debo Samuel wanted to trade from the 49ers. Uh, Debo Samuel's best value, I will say this, is probably with the 49ers on the field uh, with how he's used in the Kyle Shanahan offense. I think that that makes the most sense for him. But it doesn't make the most sense for his career, I don't think. I think that what makes the most sense is him going somewhere where he can just play wide receiver and, and be able to get a big payday. He's getting a, he's taking a lot of wear and tear playing this wide back role, and he even has shirts he's selling on his uh, – personal website i think i saw someone point out that he is embracing the wide back and in, in the wide back role and he even came out and said i think maybe via his agent that he doesn't really uh, like the way he's been used and it's been putting a lot of you know stress on his body and, and i get that I, I can understand that from his point of view um i wasn't surprised because you did mention it seems like the the thing to do with you know it started with kyler murray removing everything in arizona out of it then you had aj brown removing everything tennessee and then you got debo samuel doing the same thing and listen it's going to happen forever and it seems like we do this with college recruits too when we start to talk about you know well, college recruiting going on well what's what's he posting on the story what's he posting on instagram who's he with where's his girlfriend going to school because that's where he could transfer to that's a big thing now i don't know if you guys have heard of that i'm sorry to get off on a tangent but i think that that's we're case eight we're case eight people go, tucker go, we're pretty go, aware go. of how we got our quarterback <laughs> That's true. That's true. But that's the big thing now. It's like look where the look who they're dating. Look where they're going. And that's that's kind of where it's going. So you maybe you could do the same thing with Debo Samuel, right? Uh, look who he's look who he's talking to. But I do think the Chiefs naturally make sense, right, to come up in this conversation because they did just dish out their uh, star wide receiver for a big payout in the draft, and they've got some capital to spend. Um, that, but does it make sense from a financial point of view of trading for that guy than having to pay him near uh, Tyree Kill or near Christian Kirk levels of money? Because that's what he wants. I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense personally, but um, it's definitely a juicy head. It's definitely good for headlines and good uh, for for people like us to talk about. But my first reaction was for him is that it makes sense for him. I think it's kind of a dick move on his part to do it like after free agency, right? It's like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he just like if they had a falling out all of a sudden 
or if they wanted just to jumpstart contract negotiations. Um, it's almost like the Will Smith thing. Like, is this for real or is this a stunt? Like, I just, I just can't tell anymore. And I think the, the, the dramatics have gotten into football, but I get it, man. There's a lot of money on the, on the line. And if there was a way, if I was in his shoes and I could boost my potential knowing what I bring to this team and, and what I provide. And, you know, if you kind of throw it out there, be like, Hey, I want out, I want to trade unless you're going to pay me. That's it. You know, but then it stinks because then it's like, all right, you get your money or, or you put them to the, the fire or you make them trade you before the draft. I'm glad he waited before the draft, at least, too. That's that's nice of him. Yeah, well, I, I, like, I, I kind of like that though, when players get that checkmate position, too, though. Tucker, to your point, I thought it was interesting that he embraced and he's even selling T-shirts of the wide back. And then as soon as the team's like, well, we're going to count you a little bit as a running back and that they don't get paid as much as wide receiver. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's kind of the crux of where some of this conversation is going. And all of a sudden it's, hey, I'm a wide receiver. Like, I'm not a wide back. Why aren't you selling those T-shirts or anything that you got over here? Um, but yeah, I think there's the the idea of trading assets for a player that you're going to give a lot of money to when that was at least perceived why you didn't do that with Tyreek Hill. Now, Tyreek Hill, highest paid wide receiver, at least at that time, is the most guaranteed money ever given to a wide receiver. The Chiefs not wanting to give the most money ever doesn't mean they weren't willing to give a lot of money to Tyreek Hill or to that position. The same thing was with the DK Metcalf. It was like, well, why would you trade right. Tyreek and then do it? it could still be a little bit less money similar to the deal that maybe they did have on the table for Tyreek. And we will probably never know uh, what that all is, but um, I kind of in the same boat, you're a week and a half week, 10 days before the draft. Like you don't make a move for a Debo Samuel in this kind of situation. If you're going young, if you want to get somebody uh, to come in here and I saw somebody put this out on uh, social media, I'm sorry for not crediting them, but it was uh, talking about, you know, the four years you draft a guy in the first round at receiver that entire contract of his entire rookie year will be less than like a half a season of what Tyreek is going to get. Uh, or even yeah. Debo Samuel, if he does get traded, which at this point I'd be shocked if anything happens um, just because of the timing with everything. But uh, the other part from Debo's standpoint is, you know, how much of his success, it'll give Kyle Shanahan a lot of credit for good reason. But Mike McDaniel was there too. He was a creative mind to figure out ways to get Debo uh, involved. And now you got Tyree kill down in Miami and they're saying Tyreek's going to kind of do some of that Debo stuff. Is Debo going to be as valuable for the 49ers without Mike McDaniel? And granted, all of this stuff is a part of that discussion, but it completely makes sense why he would want to maximize, you know, his leverage and his value as best he can right now. Um, but the timing is, is a little tricky, but let's get into, uh, some things that uh, we know are going to happen. And that is the NFL draft is going to go down and we're going to talk about our ideal Thursday night for the first round, the, the players or player that we would like to walk away with that we'd all be excited. But before we get to that, we've got to talk a little bit about trade coffee. Nick and I did this last week, but I went through this process Thanks to our partnership with Blue Wire, they hooked us up with Trade Coffee. You go online, you answer some questions about the types of coffee that you like, all of these um, questions, whether you like the beans, whether you like it mashed up, whatever, however you like your coffee, you figure all that out. It's expert tasted coffee. Their coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees and keeps 450 kinds live and ready to ship out to you guys every single day there's no one perfect coffee but there is a perfect coffee for you and trade's human powered algorithm will find it and right now guys trade is offering new subscript new subscribers a total of 30 dollars off your first order 
plus free shipping. All you've got to do is go to drinktrade.com slash KCSN. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz again at drinktrade.com slash KCSN and let trade find a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off. I've personally gotten three shipments now of the coffee. I've tried them all. They're all very, very good. My wife drinks coffee every single morning, Nick, and I know we talked about it and you got on there and went through it. What was your experience with that process? I thought it was really cool because it asked you everything, you know, um, uh, how you take your coffee, uh, how you make it, um, what you put in it, uh, everything like that. And so you can buy whole beans or they can grind it for you. And um, it, they have some really, really cool roasters on there. They have Huckleberry. It's now Huck out of Denver. And I got PT's Coffee out of Topeka, which mm-hmm. kicks ass. It's a, it's a really – so it's nothing but but great uh, coffee roasteries. And I think you're only paying like 16 to 18 bucks uh, for a bag. And usually they're like, you know, same price. But it's delivered – on a subscription basis, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, however you prefer. Love it. I know you're a big coffee guy. And as soon as you signed off on it, I was like, you know what? This thing's legit. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate everybody at Trade Coffee. And we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Guys, now it's time to talk about our ideal Thursday night. Tucker, I want to start with you on, again, Chiefs pick at 29 and 30 at the end of Thursday night. It's going to be a long, fun night for us at the Kingdom Bar. What has to happen for you sitting there being like, you know what? This was a very satisfying first round of the draft. Oh, man, there's a lot of things that could happen first. A nice Craig Stout <laughs> hug would, would, be a, would be a great uh, precursor to, yes. the, uh, to the event. I'll Good be needing fun. one of those, but I think that I think for me, if the Chiefs stay put, that would be a, a really good for me. I don't think that the Chiefs need to be getting rid of all these picks that they've accumulated. I like this kind of uh, revolution of youth that they've got going on on their roster. It's kind of a youthful turnover, um, and I think that if they could just keep that going with the draft, that would be great. And the first pick that I have that I think would would be would be great is I've been talking about this guy a lot. It's Boye Mafe. 
Um, it's a fun name to say, and he's a fun guy to watch. He's a defensive edge um, out of out of Minnesota. And, and guys, I really like the the relative athletic score that that uh, my, that at um, Mathbomb puts out on Twitter. I, I really like that. You can see a lot of uh, trends to how guys project in the league to you know how how well they do in these in these metrics and how high they score on this. And boy, Moffe is a nine point nine two, and it's out of ten. Um, so he he tests high. He's got really good elite explosion skills. He has elite speed metrics. He had a really good senior bowl too to really propel himself in in, in the draft here. So, uh, and, and I think one of the biggest things with with uh, Boy Mafe is he takes off on two of the three main spags types. You know, when you talk about um, height and weight and arm length, he's just a few inches short. I think he's. I think he's like a 32.65 on the arm length and Spags likes 33 inches on the arms. So he's just just short on there, checks out on the height, checks out on the weight. Um, and, and he has really good explosion. He didn't measure the bench at the combine. Bench is another metric. But, um, you know, watching him on tape, I think that, uh, you know, Kent Swanson pointed this out on the KC lab. There is, there's a little bit of a, a little – a little difference between his, his season tape and, and the senior bowl, but I think his senior bowl really did help him out. And he got in front of to see uh, uh, out in front of some really good prospects. He got to go up and line up against uh, for boy Mafe. And really, if you, if you follow that up with another guy on defense, I doubled up on defense in the first round. And I think that's what the chiefs need to do. And I went with Daxton Hill, a safety out of Michigan who we've talked about. It seems like for at least a year now, um, when you look at him, I think what I really like about Dax Hill is uh, his versatility. He can play safety. He had the he had the ability to play slot corner at Michigan. He comes from an NFL scheme at Michigan. Michigan's a very NFL defensive type scheme, and, and that makes me you know feel a little bit more comfortable about drafting that guy so high. Now we know Brett Veach and and the Chiefs don't really like to invest in the secondary that high in the draft, but this is a good draft to do it with a with a guy like that. So and, and when I mentioned his his RAS score, he is a nine point oh six at safety. And and I was messing around with it a little bit because on the website you can kind of change you know how what position they're at. I moved him to cornerback and he was a nine four five. Um, so he his his athletic uh, relative athletic score increased a little bit at, at the cornerback position. And there's even some comparables to like Stephon Gilmore and Marlon Humphrey in terms of athletic testing at the cornerback position. So I think he's a really exciting player that could plug and play day one even if he is a slot corner like that. And so really doubling up on the defense would be my dream because I think, listen, would we all love a wide receiver? Yeah, another wide receiver would be pretty cool. But the Chiefs can get by with what they have at wide receiver right now. They need some help on the defensive side of the ball. I think you and I think very similar, but one thing I want to run through real fast because you didn't take a wide receiver. That's going to surprise some people that are listening to this, but this we've been talking about on this show and I know lab guys have mentioned it as they break down everything. Uh, but right now you look at the chief's depth chart at defensive end. And what you have is pegged in, and this is just off one website and these are not official or anything like that. But one of your starting defensive ends is Mike Dana. And then you've got a backup Josh Kando and then Malik Herring. And then you've got Frank Clark, Jonathan Woodard and Austin Edwards. So there's a reason you're investing the first pick in the draft into an edge rusher. And Tucker, I know you and I have talked about this. If they're going to move up, I want it to be for an edge rusher. Uh, if one of those guys falls, whether it somehow Kayvon Thibodeau falls or if it's a Jermaine Johnson uh, from Florida State seems to be the one guy that he might be that last guy that falls a little bit. Um, but love the picks. Love that you stay on the defensive side of the ball. Nick, let's go to you. What is your ideal scenario 
for a first round for the Chiefs on Thursday night? Uh, our strategies differ, BJ, because with the lack of name, brand, edge rushers on the roster right now, I still feel that the Chiefs should trade up both their picks and the first round to Baltimore. I believe they're at number 16 and go for Jordan Davis. And why I think this is good, uh, I watch his national championship tape. And it's not to me like the speed stuff or anything like that. I think to me, he's consistent down to down and he takes on double teams well. And if you look at who's the most NFL friendly offensive line, it's, it's Alabama, you know, who's the best coach. And he held his own versus a lot of the double teams. And, and the main thing where if I was Spags and I'd use him and this would, would vary up the four or three, you could do some odd fronts, which means, you know, you got a, a nose guard right over the uh, head up over the center or even do some shade stuff. When you're playing Baltimore, when you're playing Buffalo, um, and what you do is just create pressure, just, just have them line up on the edge of the center. And so you just want, I just want a big body D tackle that can create pressure on the inside. I mean, if you get a sack, you get a sack, that's cool. Uh, but what you do is you disrupt those pulling guards that Baltimore does, that Buffalo does, mm -hmm. and then you screw up everything about that system, everything about that system. And then that will alleviate your edge rush when you got a guy who's, you know, that, that's a run stopper and, and will mess up everything. That, that, that's why the Jordan Davis thing to me is, is, is a good pick, but uh, you can substitute any big body D tackle uh, for that. Yeah, we, I, you can substitute anybody for what Jordan Davis can do on the field. And I don't know about trading a couple of picks. I think for a guy that some people think is a two down player, you're going to have meltdowns on Chiefs Twitter. But I don't, I love the rationale that you're coming from at it with. And you put him next to Chris Jones. We can talk value and we can talk about what guys look like on paper and project it. You put him next to Chris Jones in the middle of defense, it's going to cause some problems. Yeah. And I wouldn't go as. I wouldn't disagree with you in that you put those two guys next to each other could be more disruptive overall to what an offensive is trying to do. than you take a boy, a Mafe or somebody like that on the edge and you kind of spread these guys out. I think Jordan Davis is that kind of problem. Uh, so I would love him to be on the team. I just hate the idea of trading up, um, especially because you still got to have an edge and you still got to take care of some other positions, but uh, love the rationale. And I, I still think Nick that that's a little bit of the, former center in you coming out where you're just like, what am, is my biggest nightmare? And it's Chris Jones and Jordan Davis. I'm look at Minnesota. Of those guys. Look at Minnesota when they, when they uh, were running the tables, man, they had big old Pat Williams in the middle and, and Kevin Williams, who, who kind of uh, Jordan Davis reminds me of like either kind of a variation mm -hmm. of Pat Williams and Kevin Williams, where he's got the size and the athleticism to, to play inside. And when you get a Chris Jones learning or teaching Jordan Davis, yeah i uh i still think one of my favorite tweets coming out of the combine tuck i know we've talked about this was you know jordan davis has opted out of the 2022 nfl season to join the avengers <laughs> because he's just the largest human being with his oh my goodness his athleticism and if anybody hasn't watched him he's a really really fun player to go watch and really just wreaked havoc uh yeah. in the sec and a big um, frame i like big frames because I feel like if you got a big old frame like that, NFL teams will develop you. I, I think yeah. so. I just hope he does. Yeah. Was what was his What was his score? It was a ten. It was a perfect ten. Um, yeah, he was. He was a, a perfect ten. Like, yeah. Ten. <laughs> Nobody understands that except for the old Tucker. Tucker, name that movie. I he wasn't can't. even alive. <laughs> yes, Varsity Blues. <laughs> uh, I don't want y'all alive. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> so many quotes in there. He's got to add that to the list of movies that Tucker has to go watch. There's a it's lot a of football them. movie, Tucker. It's a football movie about high school Texas and West. Yeah, Canyon, I, I've heard of, I've heard of Varsity Blues. Yeah, I just haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah, no, I've yeah, I'm aware of it. Did you say seen it or seen it yet? Seen it yet? Okay, so it's a chance. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get him to watch Team America too, Nick. Let's get really weird and go off topic here. But what's he's oh, never oh, seen? I tried to. Okay. I, like, I tried to either? I tried to find it the other day when you when you called me and I looked it up and I was gonna have to pay like fourteen ninety nine to watch it and I was oh. like gosh I, I will Venmo right you fifteen dollars Tucker and you will go watch this movie tonight be perfect okay. go watch it tonight <laughs> okay okay <laughs> so. so so Tucker hold on it, like um it's it's the uh, Trey Parker Matt Stone right the um yeah, the yeah. South Park people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, they had it's marionettes and when they were first doing like the marionettes like the little puppets. They were doing it too good. So they, they were like, they, they, they told the marionette people like, hey, man, make it look kind of herky-jerky. Like, make it obvious. And they didn't, they didn't CGI out the strings. So it looks amazing. Like, it's like, it's just, oh, it's really cool. Check it out. And All there's right. a scene in there where. <laughs> don't, don't give some of the best away. There's scenes that we would have. Just watch it. Top ever. Uh, that movie could not come out right now. Um, that movie could not come out in today's climate. Uh, but anyway, go watch that one. All right, let's get back to the draft. Uh, Jordan Davis moving up with the two picks. Definitely have not seen that one, but when they get out on the field, when it matters, uh, absolutely wreak havoc. Um, what I think an ideal scenario and, and to add a bunch of disclaimers to this, I like the idea of trading up if they can go up and get an edge rusher and they don't have to package 29 and 30. They can use 50. They can use any of those other picks to move up and to get if a Kayvon Thibodeau falls or Jermaine Johnson seems to be that next, that DN4, wherever he might fall, if he falls into the the early teens, something like that, uh, to go up and get him. That I wouldn't mind. But Tucker, to your point, I like the idea of staying pat. If you're going to do this youth movement, you want to replenish the cupboards uh, that you need some young talent at some different positions. Uh, I like the idea of staying at 29 and 30. And for that reason, at 29, I would be happy. Uh, Spent some time watching him because I've heard not a lot of great things uh, just from an athletic profile standpoint. But Purdue defensive end edge rusher uh, George Karloftis. Um, again, I wasn't expecting to really like him a lot just because you see a lot of you know low ceiling, this and that uh, from different draft analysts out there. But I actually enjoyed watching him because what I saw is a guy that he physical energy giver and a lot of his sacks and a lot of the plays that he made were on second and third efforts, which I, I mean, Nick, you were in the trenches. You played this very often in the NFL. The sacks are coming based on effort and based on being relentless is the word that I saw a few different places uh, when talked about him. It's the word that jumped out when I watched him. He's physical. He gets after it. Um, I think he's one of those tone setting type guys, very much a physical presence, not necessarily a bend the edge and get around. Uh, But for a guy that can plug in day one at a high value position and give you something, uh, set the edge in the running game, let Willie Gay, let those guys behind him uh, get after it. Uh, I like it. And I think he's still pretty raw, guys. Um, didn't Hasn't played a lot of football. Didn't start playing football till eighth grade. Uh, moved over here from Greece with his family, uh, with his mom after his dad had actually passed away. Um, you know, at that time when he was a teenager, he was, yeah, 
was a water polo player. His dad actually ran track at Miami. Um, he's one of those like most interesting men in the world. He has got a crazy uh, just upbringing and story, but hasn't played a lot of football. Like I said, didn't start playing football till eighth grade. And then once he was in college, he only played three games back in 2020 because he had tested positive for COVID. And so there's not a lot of games under his belt. Uh, but when you watch him play, you definitely see the physical ability. Uh, again, not the Boye Mafe. The, he's not going to have that raw athletic score like that, but a guy that was always around the ball. And again, one of those energy givers. You see the the excitement, all that stuff that he was playing with. Uh, it was it was it jumped out. And I think that you're at the end of the first round. You're not going to get your Aiden Hutchinson. You're not going to get that premium guy. But if you can get a guy that you know you can plug in there and play, um, you're going to be all right. And I like George Karloftis uh, out of Purdue for that reason at 29. And then moving to 30, I like Clemson cornerback Andrew Booth. Um, I think when you watch him play, the first thing that jumps out, and this is a guy that was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, always had eyes on him, and then started as a true freshman for Clemson's defense, started 13 games as a true freshman, again, for Clemson. <laughs> and so it wasn't just any other defense, one at of the best corner, defenses that we've seen. Exactly. And so – for him to step in and when you watch it, when you throw the tape on, he's a physical cornerback and you cannot play for Steve Spagnolo and play for the Chiefs defense with this scheme and not be physical on the outside. We saw it throughout his career when Charvarius Ward was here. We've seen it with Legarius Need. We see it with Rashad Fenton. We've seen all these guys step up and you've got to be physical at that position. But he also has some ball skills. Uh, his athleticism, his ability to turn and run and do all those different things. He is elite in those areas if he's available at for the chiefs at the end i know he's got some stuff with his knee and he's got some some health things but if all of that checks out and rick burkholder and their staff are the best in the league at what they do if they clear this guy i think that would be a steal for the chiefs at the end of the first round and again you're taking an edge rusher and a cornerback two high value positions when you're talking roster composition two and three years from now you're gonna have guys on rookie deals that if they're starting and they're contributing for you you don't have to go pay 15 20 million dollars a year in free agency for these guys and it's going to be important as you get into Patrick Mahomes you know prime of his career so I like the idea of staying put going edge and going corner and if those guys are available I'm going to be thrilled with that yeah. I like how you guys I, I, both oh sorry Tucker go ahead no, I, what I was just going to say about Carl Office is uh, I think that a lot of the talk around Carl Office is if he'll be there. Um, and p people have been talking about trading up for Carl Office. I don't necessarily think the Chiefs should trade up for him. I think that if he's there, I, I would be I would be happy with that pick if he was there. Um, but I think the, the thing with Carl Office is him is trading up for him. I'm not a huge fan of that. Andrew Booth is an incredible athlete. Uh, I, I didn't look up his RAS. I'll look it up here in, here in a second, but I'm sure he tested well because you can just see some of those things you can just see on film of like, yeah, that dude's an athlete, and that that's Andrew Booth. No, I, I was I love the uh, you guys are taking Big Ten schools, but like the lesser. I mean, although Purdue was like what red hot right to start out the season, I think that they went undefeated for a minute, then they just collapsed. Um, but, and I like that. And I think a better, I think, I wish they get rid of the damn bench press. I wish they would do the, uh, the hang clean at combine. Like how many reps can you do on the hang clean? Power clean, full body, you know? Oh, you do that do too, right? Yeah, do that. Uh -huh. I mean, but you do some where you have to rep it out. How many can you do in a minute or something like that? Yeah. I think that'd be a better gauge because I think you can go to any college and you could look at the board. You could look at the bench press record board and there ain't nobody on there you've ever heard of. Now you do it with the power cleans everyone you've ever heard of. So I, I think they should do it too. 
I like that. And then, you know, t- to your guy, this Karloftis guy, is he, he's the Purdue guy, right? Yeah. Um, you said second and third moves, man. If you have, if you're in college and you're doing second and third moves with, you know, relentless pass rush, you don't need to be taught anything else. You know, if, if you got three solid moves that you can get by, I mean, they're going to be all pro level. You can do that. It's more second, third effort, but like, yeah, the thing that jumped out and it reminded me and I watched it and it, I'm not comparing them as players. I, I hate comparisons anyway, but I remember having conversations with Tom Ali about what it takes to be a very good edge rusher in the NFL. And I remember breaking down the numbers being like, if you're successful one out of like a hundred times rushing the passer and getting home, you're an all pro player. If you're successful 1% of the time on what you get paid to do, you're going to be considered one of the best in the league at what you do and get paid tens of twenties of millions of dollars and all of this money. And so you fail. And we talk about baseball as a game of failure. You fail your 70% of the time. Edge rushers are failing all the time and getting mm-hmm. home and creating pressures and all these things. And so being relentless and having that short memory and just constantly getting after it, uh, is the single most important thing at playing that position. It's not necessarily the athleticism and the edge and all that stuff is really important, but how many guys are feeling really good with their bodies and have that same athleticism week eight that they do when the, the season starts, the guys are banged up. They're not bending the same way. Um, they're fighting through a lot of different things. And when you watch Karloftis play, you see a guy that just, there's a motor. And like we said, like a relentless nature of the way that he's getting after everything that he's doing. And I'm talking like, playing through the echo of the whistle and Nick, you would freaking love watching this dude play. He's getting near guys. He's tossing refs. He's talking, you get in his way. He's throwing you out of the way. Uh, he's got bad intentions when he gets after it. And that jumps out as somebody that you get into the, the December, January part of the season that you just want guys who are just going to do anything they can to get after it. And that's what stood out to me with Carl Loftus. That's cool. I looked up uh, Booth Jr.'s arrest, by the way. He didn't do any testing because of his injury issues, um, but he has a good size. He's 31-inch arms, which is good for a cornerback in Steve Spagnuolo's system. That's awesome. That's so we cool. got that. We got the arm length. That checks out. How about Carl Loftus? Does he hit, does he hit all the spags defensively? He's like 6'4", 266. I believe he does hit hit um, most of the spags uh, types. I believe when I, when I was looking, he might have been light. Um, let me look him up real quick. I, the The hardest part is going to be me spelling his last name. Um, uh, so. It's better than the the Ebiketti, the Arnold Ebiketti oh. guy. Because remember, it took me about seven tries, and I still couldn't get his name right. Yeah, at least his first name is Arnold. You know, I mean, you got George right. here. You got two pretty easy. <laughs> so, uh, Karloftis was a nine-two-one ras um, with uh, he's six foot three, uh, two sixty-six. Both of those things fit uh, in the in the Spags type. His arms are thirty-two point six two five, so they are just a little bit under that um, Spags type for arm length. Um, he had good uh, good explosion, a thirty-eight vertical, ten foot broad jump. I mean. Uh, things you like to see. The only thing that's really a hesitation with his uh, with his uh, with his athletic profile is his forty yard dash. He ran a four seven, um, which isn't which isn't great nowadays for for an edge rusher. But you know his his uh, he didn't run a three cone. He ran a, a short shuttle at four three. Um, so that that kind of shows you a little bit of of bend in a player. Now I'm not saying that these are you know the things you should take to the bank. You should run to the bank right away. But you know, I mean, it's proven this is relative athletic scores has shown that you know if if the higher you rank on this, you know who would have thought that the better athlete you are, the better you'd be in the NFL. Who that's crazy concept. <laughs> 
right? Well, and I think the three yeah. cone drill over a forty yard dash is probably. I mean, that simulates you know ru- uh, p- rushing a pass rusher or yeah. rushing rushing versus a tackle. So a three cone drill mm-hmm. is where it's at for for edge guys. I would say that, I that's what I would too. care about. I really wouldn't give two two craps. I really had to had I had that many swear words where I went through about seven of them to filter myself. By the way, if, you, if you're curious, <laughs> my, back, to my backups is a swear word. So yeah, uh, it seems like a good time to wrap this up. And before we let you go, I've got a question for both you guys and one player that we haven't mentioned that will be really interesting on Thursday night if we do hear his name called, and that's Michigan edge rusher David Ojabo who tore his Achilles during his pro day, um, was projected, and Tucker, tell me if I'm wrong, uh, but a top 10 to 15-ish pick, he was going to be one of those first four edge rushers right in there with Jermaine Johnson, Karloftis. He's going to be in that mix, very raw player, but obviously gets injured, the Achilles. And again, Achilles injuries, we saw whoever it was with the Rams that came back in like six months from an Achilles injury, which is unheard of like five years ago. But... What do you, what would be your opinion? You get down to 29 and Ojabo's on the board. Nick, to you, somebody who played this game, been around injuries, like know how all this stuff works. A player that's coming off an injury that was going to be a top 15 pick is available for you at the end of the first round, but may not play at all his rookie year. And if he does, he wouldn't be ready till the end of the year. And then is a team getting ready to hopefully go into the playoffs and make a long run going to bring a rookie that hasn't had any practice, any prep really on the field. Uh, Because once you, you know, once you get into the season, they're kind of not really doing a whole lot at practice. It'd be really hard to simulate to get him back into a game. Would you be okay? with the Chiefs drafting a guy knowing that wouldn't be ready day one? Not not in the first round, but I think maybe you could spare a second or third round pick on him. Um, I just think to, to this day, right now, those, there's only two big watchouts for me, and one is Achilles. Like Achilles is, mm-hmm. is brutal. Like it's really kind of hasn't – the medicine hasn't quite caught up the rehabilitation to where you're worried about turning again. The Chiefs have had – you know, Derek Johnson with back to backs, and then who else? I mean, there's been a couple of other ones, right? So they're probably DeVito. gun, yeah, yeah. DeVito, yeah. And they're probably real gun shy about Achilles and uh, back issues. Uh, but those are the only ones, I mean, because they drafted Trey Smith, he had blood clots in his lungs, um, you know, so they'll, no. they'll do their research on that. But yeah, that's the one so, where mm, I don't. The old nobody used to have a back, back problems. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly, right? Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. It's, yeah. Tucker. Tucker, what about you? How would you feel if Ojabo was on the board? Eddie and I have had a lot of these conversations about about edge rushers and, and things we would do combinations with these first two picks. I think it only makes me feel it would make me feel better if the Chiefs would draft like a a Carl Loftus if he was there, a Boy Mafe if he was there, and then an Ojabo. So I think that it's mm-hmm. a double up at the position so you can get someone to play there right away, but also have Ojabo there as like a red shirt year, right? You can put him on the IR, not have to worry about rushing him back. He can get healthy and he can learn from you know a from Frank Clark, from Chris Jones, and, and while having this year to, uh, you know, have another edge rusher in there and on a rookie contract. And, and I know that the hard part is, do you want to waste a, a, the first year of a first round pick uh, on a on a red shirt year? And that's a tough pill to swallow. But, you know, the talent, the talent's there. I, I like Ojabo a lot. I think that, you know, he could have been a top 10, top 10 pick. But uh, now we're looking at him here and it's almost one of those situations like if he's there, it's almost like one of those opportunities is like, is it too good of an opportunity to pass up? Well, we'll see. Yeah. If he projects the way that they think, I would almost rather take him in the first because you get that fifth year. 
And you don't get that if you take them in the second round. So you're kind of saying, you know what, we'll take you in the first round. Even if the first one's a wash, we're going to get you on that fourth, that fifth year, which would be, I guess, the fourth year of really playing. And hopefully they become that player and project the way that you want. But uh, another one of those storylines to follow uh, for the Chiefs in this draft. It's an exciting one. It's fun to go in with some ammo, knowing that we've got an aggressive GM. We've got some areas that they need to be attacked with some good players that are available throughout this draft and areas the Chiefs want to want to take. And we didn't even really get into wide receiver. Maybe we'll get into that in the next one. Uh, before the next uh, show, we'll break down some wide receivers as if you guys haven't been hearing that for the last six weeks. But uh, we'll try to mix it up a little bit. We appreciate everybody for hanging out with us uh, as part of your, I'm assuming you're listening to this, uh, on Thursday. So we appreciate all of the support. And again, if you want to come hang out with us during the NFL draft, come out to the kingdom bar and grill at 127th in Antioch out in Overland park, come hang out. We'll, if we're not live, we'll be out there talking with you guys, uh, kind of rotating all the hosts. Uh, so we'll be out there talking with the fans that want to come hang out again, drink specials, food specials, some, some fun giveaways should be a good time. Uh, we'll see you out there, but appreciate all your support of KC Sports Network. For Nick and Tucker, I am BJ, and we will see you all next time. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.